Under the radar means hearing about things you didn't know you needed to know until you hear them. It's a serious look. Hear about the issues that don't get the attention they deserve. Under the radar doesn't get caught up in the day-to-day. Surfacing issues that are not talked about in mainstream media. I think it's something that connects us to each other. Under the radar is all about discovery. I can be guaranteed voices I haven't heard before. But also the questions. Under the radar is one step ahead. I'm Callie Crossley. This week on Under the Radar with Callie Crossley. We celebrate, we celebrate Juneteenth, Juneteenth. It's Freedom Day and we celebrate, we celebrate. Oh, happy day, Juneteenth, Juneteenth. Let's celebrate together. Hey, you. That's Gordon Elmo and the kids from Sesame Street singing Let's Celebrate Juneteenth. Juneteenth, June 19, 1865, the day of the first Juneteenth celebrations, the day when formerly enslaved Americans living in Texas got the official word that they were free men and women, two years after the Emancipation Proclamation. Parades and festivals will mark this year's federal holiday with community observances nationwide sharing the story of Juneteenth, a story not easy to explain to children, But some children's book authors have managed to talk about the joyful celebration while tackling the uncomfortable reality of this history and highlighting the ongoing struggle for equality and freedom. Later in the show, a Father's Day conversation about today's dads rejecting the stereotypes of disengaged and absent fathers. What we're seeing today is that these dads are saying, you know, I'm not perfect, but I'm giving myself another shot to be great. And I'm going to continue to do my job as a father or do what it is that I'm called to do. And that's be the best parent that I can be. Choosing to embrace the fatherhood role in a new way with closeness, tenderness and compassion. But first, joining me now, Kim Taylor, speech language pathologist at the Lexington School for the Deaf in New York City, a textile artist and author of A Flag for Juneteenth. Hello, Kim. Hello, Callie. I am so happy to be here. Thank you for having me. And I'm delighted to have you. Also with me, Alicia Norwood, professor at the University of Maryland Eastern Shore and author of The History of Juneteenth, a history book for new readers. Hi, Alicia. Hi, Callie. Thank you for having me. And Carol Boston Weatherford, who teaches English at Fayetteville State University, the winner of the 2022 Coretta Scott King Award for Unspeakable, the Tulsa Race Massacre, and author of Juneteenth Jamboree and 70-plus books. Uh, Welcome to you. Thank you, Callie. Glad to be here. I'm happy to have all of you. Um, It occurred to me as I was thinking about uh, how to approach talking about Juneteenth this year, Wow, how do you start to tell the story in its simplest forms with all of the information um, that has to be in the story for it to make sense, um, but also um, in a way that is age appropriate? Uh, and, And I looked at your books and they're all fabulous. And I wanted to start by asking you, Um, How did you come to write a children's book about Juneteenth? And what was your approach um, to telling the complicated story? I'll start with you, Kim. Thank you. So for me, um, I am a very new author. This is my debut book. Um, Mostly, I am a speech teacher and a textile artist. I love to quilt. I taught myself how to quilt back in 2008, and I have been story quilting ever since. 
So in 2014, I went to a party uh, with a friend to celebrate Juneteenth. And at that time, I had not heard of Juneteenth. My parents didn't know about it. They didn't teach it. And it wasn't part of my school curriculum. So I had a great time at that celebration. And when I left there, I felt excited to know it, uh, know about it. But I also felt saddened that it wasn't part of my school curriculum. And at almost 50 years old at the time, I had never heard of Juneteenth. So I made a story quilt about it. Um, it helped me to express my emotions. I started to show that story quilt around at some schools and different celebrations. And um, I decided to write a story uh, to go with the quilt because most of the people I was showing the quilt to did not know about Juneteenth either. Fast forward to 2020, I decided to tweak the story, flesh it out and make it into a book. And that's how I got started. Now, tell me the age uh, range for your readers. My book is for children that are kindergarten through third grade. Mm -hmm. Okay, very good. Well, I want to move over to you, Carol Boston Weatherford. And um, your book came out quite a bit ago and then um, was put into paperback in 2007. So tell me how you were inspired um, to write a children's book and what was your approach? Well, I would love to say that I learned about the Juneteenth holiday and I thought I would write a book about it, but that's not the story at all. When I was in my early 30s, I had never heard of Juneteenth and I had submitted another manuscript to a publisher, but she couldn't, didn't want to acquire it. But she did ask me if I was interested in writing about the Juneteenth holiday. And the approach that I took was to make it a story about a girl who had just arrived in Texas. So she was, she's the new kid. She's, you know, new in town, um, looking for friends, hoping, you know, to make connections. Uh, she has family there already. And the family is joining in the community Juneteenth celebration. And uh, the main character, uh, Cassandra, is experiencing a Juneteenth celebration for the first time. And age range for your book? Four to eight. And it came out in 1992. You're right. Mm-hmm. I mean, 1995, okay. I wrote mm-hmm. it in, I wrote it around 92. All righty. So you were early, you were ahead of the game with. Uh, right. This uh, was with... the first children's book about Juneteenth. Arlisha Norwood, um, tell me, this, uh, answer the same question. What inspired you to write the children's book? And um, what was your approach in uh, telling this complicated story? Well, Callie, I um, grew up celebrating Juneteenth. I'm originally from Houston, Texas. And so I wanted to kind of explain the local history of Juneteenth because I would always hear people talk about um, just Galveston, right? And so I wanted to kind of put my um, kind of put my put my story out there, put the history out there. I am also a historian who grew up um, going to Civil War sites, and so I'm strangely obsessed with the Civil War. I've been studying Civil War history for a very long time, and so it was kind of, I mean, it was just everything serendipity that I wrote of this children's book. I always have wanted to do it. Um, And when my publisher finally accepted my call that Juneteenth was going to be a national holiday and it was going to happen and we should definitely have a book about it. um, I started writing the book 
I wanted to really make sure, again, I grew up going to Civil War sites and there were not a lot of little Black girls at those sites, right? And so I wanted to be sure that people saw themselves. If there was a little girl like me who wanted to know more about Juneteenth, she saw herself in that story. And so I wanted to make it as age accessible as possible, right? As you said, Juneteenth is a complicated story. It's soldiers and freedom and slavery, all really... Um, complicated issues for children. And so my approach to writing, it was I was writing for myself. I was writing for the six-year-old Arlisha Norwood who wanted to know more about Juneteenth. Um, so that that that's my reasoning for writing. That was my approach. Okay. Now your book is aimed at a little older children. What's the age range? Six to 11. Okay. Very good. If you're just tuning in, this is Under the Radar with Callie Crossley. I'm Callie Crossley. And here with me are Kim Taylor, author of A Flag for Juneteenth, Arlisha Norwood, author of The History of Juneteenth, a history book for new readers, and Carol Boston Weatherford, author of Juneteenth Jamboree. We're discussing Juneteenth and how they, as children's book authors, write about the challenging parts of this history. So I want right away to... uh, have each of you read an excerpt from your books because um, I think it helps uh, our listeners really to see how um, I think fabulously you've made the story. Each of you, interestingly enough, your main characters are young women um, and you tell your individual stories through that person. Um, So Kim, we're starting with you. Your book is A Flag for Juneteenth. Um, remembering, reminding my listeners that you are the textile artist. It took 14 months for you to quilt this book. So the book is quilted with 26 quilted panels. So the kids can feel it, which is a part of its appeal, I think, in telling the story as well. So if you would um, read an excerpt from A Flag for Juneteenth, and I want people to have in their minds that each of the panels uh, that you're reading the uh, copy from are all quilted. Yes, thank you. So right before I read, I'll tell you that um, I did quilt each panel as an illustration for each page of the book. It did take 14 months and the panels, the actual quilts were scanned so that they are flat, but they look 3D. So when I I'm on like a book tour now. And when I read to young children, the first thing they do is try to touch the pages because it really does look like you can feel the texture. So it's it's a very unusual book. I'm really excited about it. I, I thought I could feel the texture. <laughs> so <laughs> you fooled all of us. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> all right. So um, in the part that I'm reading, uh, Hulda, my uh, main character, who's a 10-year-old girl, Uh, and her community on a Texas plantation, Galveston, Texas, have just heard the announcement or getting ready to hear the announcement that they um, are free. I thought I was dreaming when I heard the loud clip clippy clop of heavy horses hooves. Mama and Papa sat up rubbing their tired eyes. Worried faces peeked out from cabin windows and doors. Dusty soldiers crowded into the little corner of the Texas plantation where we lived. A man with a beard jumped down from his horse and held a paper up high for all to see. With a booming voice, he read, 
The people of Texas are informed that in accordance with a proclamation from the President of the United States, all slaves are free. I held my breath. No one said a word. Then cheers louder than the loudest thunder. The angry plantation owners followed the soldiers as they rode away, shouting questions at their backs. We didn't know it, but President Abraham Lincoln had signed the Emancipation Proclamation more than two years earlier. Enslaved people had been free since then, but the plantation owners chose not to tell us. I squeezed through the crowd, listening as people prayed, sang, and cried quiet tears of joy. That's my guest, Kim Taylor. She's the author of A Flag for Juneteenth, reading an excerpt from her book. Um, over to you, Carol Boston Weatherford. Um, your book is Juneteenth Jamboree. As you said, it's the first um, book about, uh, children's book about Juneteenth, first written in 1995 and um, gone into paperback in 2007. And um, you, too, have a young woman as uh, the main character. So I'm going to be reading uh, from the middle of the book. Cassandra had never seen so much food, but she was more curious than hungry. Why the feast? Memorial Day had passed, and the 4th of July was still two weeks away. Time to get dressed, Cassie, said Mama. But I am dressed, said Cassandra. Her mother hurried upstairs. Just you wait, she said, lifting a calico dress from a pine chest. This is the best part of the surprise. Cassandra loved to dress up. In fact, her mother sometimes scolded her for going into her closet, and now she was letting her wear this beautiful dress. First, her father dancing in the kitchen, and now this. Whatever the surprise was, it sure was making her parents act funny. She looked in the mirror. The outfit was yellow and blue, the colors of the Texas sun and sky. My grandma made this costume for me when I was your age and surprised me with it on this same day. Costume, thought Cassandra. It's not Halloween. June bugs are jumping and the leaves are all green. Dad honked the horn. Everyone piled into the car. Cassandra sat next to Koofy on the back seat, holding a cake plate and shooing her little brother's fingers away from the frosting. The car smelled just like the kitchen. All this surprise business was making her hungry. Within minutes, they arrived downtown. They parked at the church and left the food in the fellowship hall. Then they walked to the square. It seemed like the whole town was there. Some girls from Cassandra's school walked arm in arm in their long skirts and pinafores. Her parents pointed to a banner that flapped in the breeze. Juneteenth, giggled Cassandra. What kind of word is that? Why, that's the surprise, honey, said Aunt Bet. It means June 19th, Dad explained. That's when Texas slaves heard they'd been freed. President Lincoln signed the Emancipation Proclamation in 1863 but news didn't reach Texas until more than two years later. Nobody really knows for sure what took so long, but you'd better believe folks rejoiced when they finally found out. Imagine, said Mama. Cassandra tried to picture what it was like for people to hear such news. I bet they sang and danced and had a big barbecue, she exclaimed. That's my guest, Carol Boston Weatherford, reading from her book, Juneteenth Jamboree. All right, Alicia Norwood, over to you. Your book's The History of Juneteenth. 
So before I start, I would like to give a little um, history about where who Sarah Ashley is. And when I started writing the book, I wanted to make sure that I included as many primary sources as possible. And that's a very fancy historian term, but it just means that documents that came from 1865, right? Or people who lived in 1865. And one of the I guess sort of historian tools when who uh, people who study slavery or at the Civil War, they often look to the WPA slave narratives, these narratives taken or these interviews taken from formerly enslaved people. And they really are just fascinating. They're heart wrenching. They're everything to read. They're available on Library of Congress website, accessible all the time. But um, one of them is from a enslaved woman or formerly enslaved woman at this time. Um, Sarah Ashley. And in the in Sarah Ashley's interview, she's a um an elderly woman at this time. She talks about Juneteenth, right? She talks about what it was, what happened on June 19th. And she says she's from, I think she's from Galveston, Texas, but if not somewhere near Galveston, Texas. And she says that she experienced this burst of freedom when um when General Granger or she hears the Union Army has has announced freedom, right? And I wanted to start this book with that burst of freedom, a very realistic term, a term that act that Sarah actually Ashley actually applied to Juneteenth. And so I started the history of Juneteenth with um with her words. Um and this book is about Sarah Ashley's journey from slavery to a new world of dreams. It is also about the history of a holiday called Juneteenth, a celebration of that journey. Although this story is full of determination and courage, many of the chapters will teach you about the difficulties that Sarah and other African-Americans face. At times while reading, you may feel discouraged, but I invite you to think like Sarah, dream and focus on freedom. By doing so, you will be inspired to keep trying no matter what obstacles you may face. And by the end of this book, you'll have all the joy you need to celebrate Juneteenth. I hope you are encouraged to imagine and create a new world, just like Sarah Ashley. Well, that's my guest, Arlisha Norwood, reading from her book, The History of Juneteenth. Um, and I want to underscore the passage that you read from your book, um, Arlisha, because you took a moment to articulate what all of you know you had to deal with, which is to tell a layered story, one that is about joy, but but about joy that stemmed from pain and uh, a lot of pain for certain um, people in the United States. So... You laid it out at the beginning of your book, this is very early on, that, hey, um, th maybe you'd be a little bit uncomfortable, but Sarah's story um, can take you someplace else and you can be um, able to uh, access it as I want you to. So I thought that was a very important statement that you'd made at the beginning of the of the book. And for all of you, and you go the extra mile to make sure that the stories as you are telling them incorporate all of that. And and frankly, uh, Carol Boston Weatherford, that's tough <laughs> to do. So I'm wondering as you were putting it together, and by the way, I would say that any of your books, though aimed at children, would be excellent for any adult to read if you're really trying to get to what happened and some of the details of it. Was that somewhat daunting, Carol Boston Weatherford, when you started out trying to... Um, managed to balance all of that in the story? I didn't know as much as I know now about 
talking to children. And so I was just kind of, you know, operating on instinct. Now I know that it's important to not to talk down to children, that children deserve and will demand the truth. And if you don't give it to them, they'll look out. If, you know, if, if the adults in their lives don't give it to them, they'll look elsewhere and they may not get the right answers. So, you know, I just think that it's, that children experience a lot through various media nowadays and in and in their lives. Their lives are much more complicated than my life was growing up in the in the 50s and 60s. So, you know, we have to give them credit for a certain degree of sophistication, perhaps beyond beyond their years, or at least beyond what we where we were at at the time when we were that age. And so what I try to do is just give them details that will paint a picture, but won't provide necessarily the the scary parts um, or the parts that they're not ready to process. Um, you know, I, 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 in, in this book, for example, I don't, I don't talk at all about what slavery was like. I talk about what, you know, finding freedom was like. I, I have other books that, you know, that get into, you know, more details about slavery. But I think with any children's book, you, you figure out which details you want to include for the story that you want to tell and the audience that you are want to want to share the story with. So, Kim, same question to you. So I also I agree with Carol. I was, you know, very careful in how I presented the story, uh, but I made sure that I was also very intentional in the wording that I used. So um, I did try to bring children into the story by starting it off with a birthday, something that all kids can relate to, um, because I wanted them to be interested in the story. This is a reality that's so far removed from their own that I didn't want them to be distracted um, by all of the things that happened during enslavement. I wanted them to be curious enough to ask questions of whoever their adults are in their lives. So I did try to hone in on feelings um, of this little girl, Hulda, you know, holding her breath, trying to take in all of the um, things that were happening at the moment. Um, I made sure that I never used the word slaves um, unless it was General Gordon Granger's announcement, which has that word in it. Otherwise, um, they are all spoken about as enslaved people because that's what they were. Slavery was a legal institution and it was imposed upon a group of people. But I also really wanted to bring young my young readers and their adults, um, I wanted them to empathize with the characters. So if you'll notice, none of the characters in my book have faces. I feel that that is really important because it does bring the reader into the story. And my hope is that they'll see themselves in the story. And as I've been going around, the book's been out since January, as I've been going around reading, that's one thing that's really resonated with people, um, with my young readers and with the adults that read the book. They really do see themselves. The kids tell me that they feel like um, my young character looks like somebody in their lives that looks like my sister, or I think that looks like you. And the adults generally come up to me feeling extremely emotional. Some have told me that they felt like they were on the verge of tears. You know, they feel that it's so connected with the story. So I think um, not having faces is 
um, a great tool to um, help people to empathize with what's happening. My guest, Kim Taylor, whose uh, book is A Flag for Juneteenth. Now, Arlisha, we've already, um, you've already read the, I think, very important words at the beginning of your book. I remember your, your book is geared toward older readers so that they have a sense of, oh, okay, this is something that I can deal with, but it's going to be, um, I need to think about it, you know, concentrate on it a little more. I want to point out that um, your book uh, is more detailed about some of the, the uh, factual things that happened over the holiday or to make the holiday, hence your, the title of your book, The History of Juneteenth. And one point that you make that just now, or just, I think, in the last few years have we heard um, as a clarification. So when the story of Juneteenth is generally told, it's that the people there found out they were free and they just found out it was free. And I often wondered, well, why didn't they know before? It's so hard. And there were many reasons given. But what was happening, as you've made clear in your book, Arlisha, and I'll let you articulate it, is that they knew they were free, but they also knew that the law, as it was in the states that they were living in, Texas was one of them, um, those people who were enslaving them had moved to Texas because they knew they would be out of the reach of the law and could continue to enslave them. So they knew they were free, were free but could not you know, make that real in their lives. And you made a point in this book to explain that to your young readers. Yes, that was it was very important to me. And I I told my publisher that I was unwilling. I was never going to write a book about General Granger reading to reading um, the proclamation to people who did not know about um, freedom. That it that is not true. Um, enslaved African Americans throughout the South and Free African-Americans in the North knew about the Civil War. They knew what the Civil War was about, which was freedom. They fought in the Civil War for that freedom. And so I wanted to make it clear that this was not a, is it, Juneteenth is not a story about General Granger saving people in Galveston, Texas, right? It's a story about enslaved people who fought for freedom and are now getting that freedom. And so um, I, one of the stories I always tell is when I first read this book to a, um, a group of children at a, at a public school here in DC, one of the kids, and did, did, okay, we're growing up with kids who are celebrating Juneteenth as a federal holiday for the first time, right? And so he said to me, he said, well, emancipation is like a train, right? And I said, yeah, it's like a train. <laughs> the Union Army is this train that is moving throughout the United States and forcing freedom, right? It happens different times in different places. And all that has to happen in Texas is the Union Army arrives and lets these people know that they are now um, free to move about, but more importantly, that their freedom is enforced by the Union Army, right? You can move around, but we're here to protect you from moving around, right? And so I wanted to, um, I was really intentional with the illustrations in the book, the illustrator and me, we had more than enough conversations that I and what, that we have this picture in the book of General Granger um, reading the proclamation. There are Black soldiers behind him because Black soldiers were behind him when he read the proclamation in Galveston. Um, 
And I just, it just was a, a story that I kept hearing. People kept saying, you know, General Granger are telling enslaved people that they are free for the first time. They don't know. And I always would tell when I, when I, so I teach college, right? And I would ask my class, you know, do you think you can keep a secret from anybody in your family? Like, <laughs> can, uh, can we Marylanders keep a secret from people in Virginia? No, you all. Of course, we don't have modern technology, but word travels. People in Texas were aware that freedom was here. It happened in 1863. Unfortunately, they could not do anything about that because, except run away, right? But they had to wait for the Union Army to arrive. And when that happens, that's where we get Juneteenth. Um, and as, I, as I'm telling them the story, I also, again, put emphasis on the United States colored troops who fought in the Civil War, right? The Civil War is not a white, a white American war. It is an American war, but Black soldiers are just as involved as white soldiers, as I stated. They they arrived in Galveston, Texas with General Granger. Um, and so, yeah, that was a, a real sticking point to me. I, I couldn't listen to another person say that Juneteenth, um, people didn't know about Juneteenth. Well, you made that quite clear in your book, and it's, it's really important. Um, so we're at a time, all of you know, where there's book banning. It seems to have been ramped up, uh, particularly targeting um, books, uh, written by authors of color, such as yourselves, and also books perceived to be, I, I want to emphasize that, something that children should not know about or anybody beyond that should not know about it because it's, it's too hard, it's too tough, it's too difficult, and A, quote, it puts the America in, uh, in a bad light. And I'd like each of you to respond to that uh, because we have competing things going on here now since President Biden um, signed the legislation to make a federal holiday of Juneteenth in 2021. Um, it's a federal holiday. It will be celebrated um, and acknowledged, at least in all these states. And But yet there's a pushback on books and articles and stories telling the story. So where are you? Because I think I've heard each of you make clear that this children can understand and um, follow the story and not be traumatized. Carol? Uh, I think our children deserve an in inclusive history. Um, in fact, all, all, all American citizens uh, deserve an inclusive history because there cannot be reconciliation until the truth comes out. So that's, you know, my mission as an author is to mine the past for family stories, fading traditions and forgotten struggles. And, you know, some of the stories are, you know, happy stories and some of them are sad stories, but they're all true stories. And, and we need, it, it, we've, got to, we've got to have the bitter and the sweet in terms of our history and, and children need to, need to taste all of it. What would you add to that, Kim Taylor? I find it uh, very interesting that um, there are so many parts of history that America doesn't feel would be traumatizing. I know I was taught all about so many wars when I was growing up in school. Um, I wasn't traumatized. I was interested in learning more, but I don't feel like you can pick and choose what parts of history should be canceled or set apart because it may be difficult to understand. I find it very difficult uh, to understand why that should be the case and only for some parts of history. I agree with Carol, we are the gatekeepers. We are the ones that need to be telling our stories. This is not a black story or African-American story. It is an American story and it is a part of American history. And I feel that we all 
uh, should have the chance and be entitled to learn about history in all of its glory or uh, in, in even in its sadness and in pain. Last word, Alicia Norwood. I agree with both Kim and Carol. I think that um, learning American history is learning um, the story of a, of a country with trials and tribulations, I mean, tribulations and triumph, right? And so I don't think, I think excluding any part of that history is just a disservice to the people that are learning about it. I also, um, I think that when people try to exclude the, the narrative of, of anybody, they are trying to exclude people from, from, from seeing themselves in history, right? A, a lot of people are so disconnected from history because they don't see themselves. It's pre been presented as a white male story, the Civil War, all of the World Wars, all of these things have been presented to exclude people on purpose so they can feel like they don't have a stake in it, right? You don't have a stake in learning about this history. It is not yours. And I'm always here to remind people that it is yours. It's all of ours. And we've made this country everything that it is and everything that it will be. And so I think it's just, it, it, it just doesn't work out like that. You can't tell what you, you can't, you can't, pick and choose what you want to say. And so that is why I'm adamant about teaching about Juneteenth in any way that I can. Well, I thank you all for joining me today and happy Juneteenth. Happy Juneteenth. Thank you so much. I really appreciate your having me on as your guest, Callie. Thank you. Happy Juneteenth, everyone. Happy Juneteenth, you all. Kim Taylor is a speech-language pathologist at the Lexington School for the Deaf in New York City, a textile artist and author of A Flag for Juneteenth. Arlisha Norwood is professor at the University of Maryland Eastern Shore and author of The History of Juneteenth, a history book for new readers. And Carol Boston Weatherford teaches English at Fayetteville State University and is the author of Juneteenth Jamboree. Coming up, new research confirms that many modern dads are very different fathers than their fathers were to them. Today's fathers do not want to be strangers to their children and are instead reshaping their image and role as a parent. That's next. This is Under the Radar with Callie Crossley. I'm Callie Crossley. Happy Juneteenth!